Well, amen, family. It's good to be together around God's word this afternoon. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. This is where we're going to be. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, feel free to use the table of contents uh, to find where we are and jump in from there. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 24. And as you're turning there, uh, let me say this. I said it earlier um, when we were huddling up as a, as a uh, volunteer team, leadership team and whatnot. But today's sermon, by God's grace, is the last sermon of our first ever in the history of our church sermon series. It's amazing, right? God is good. God has, I mean, man, we've been in the book of Ephesians and uh, it's, been a, it's been a rich time. And so today, by God's grace, will be the last sermon uh, of our first ever sermon series as a new church. Amen? Amen. 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 It's been a blessed time diving into God's word. And, and as we do it here at CHCC, verse by verse, right? Verse by verse, really sinking in deep in God's word, seeking to, to know him more and obey him more. So God has already been working through his word already, and my prayer this afternoon is that his word would continue to do the work. That's our prayer each week, each day, that when you all are, when we're all reading our Bibles in our homes or wherever, uh, we pray that God, by his spirit, work in our hearts. We pray during a Sunday gathering like this each week, or whether it's Bible study, we pray, or any discipling pod, group, or anything along those lines, as we are diving into God's word together, our hope, our prayer, is that God's word will do the work in our hearts. Amen? And so that's our prayer today once again. So let's dig in, but before we do, let me, let me ask God for his help again. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for uh, this time to, to be together uh, around your word. God, I pray uh, that you would yeah, work by your spirit in our hearts, God, um, every way that you see fit. God, we thank you, God, that as a new church coming up on one year, uh, just our time in the book of Ephesians, how it's been rich, and how when we look at the book of Ephesians, uh, the theme of family uh, is lifted up from the pages of scripture in this book. And God, we thank you for this family, this church body uh, that you have gifted us with everyone with all their gifts and talents and um, their love. Thank you for um, just how you've called us together to be this church in this context for your glory. So God, we love you. We pray that you'll be glorified. <laughs> That nothing that I say this afternoon, uh, yeah, that, that everyone under the sound of my voice would hear from you, not me, not merely my words and what I would say. I pray, God, that we would hear your voice and that we would, as a result of hearing your voice, cherish your word, delight in your word, and obey your word this afternoon. And so we pray, Lord. All these things, God, refresh us by your word, encourage us by your word, 
sustain us by your word, as we've been talking about. I mean, it's just been a hard week for a lot of us. Tough week. Myriad of different things. God, renew us by your word. Give us strength, Lord, as we sung this last, you are our strength. We pray, God, that we will find strength in your word. We'll find hope and peace and joy in you, Lord Jesus. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, it reads as follows. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother, and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if we were to summarize this passage, if you're taking notes, if you're jotting them down or something or you know, putting them in your phone, if we were to summarize this passage, it may go something like this. We must fight in the strength of Christ and put on the whole armor of God as we battle against the enemy of our souls. Say it again. We must fight in the strength of Christ not our strength, but the strength of Christ, even what the sisters were even singing, right? We fight in the strength of Christ and put on the whole armor of God as we battle. We are in a battle against the enemy of our souls. Three points to help guide us through the passage. Point one, our arsenal. Our arsenal or our weapons. We'll see that in verses 10 through 11a and 13 through 20, we'll first see the strength in the Lord. We'll also see our defense, right? So 
uh, what the Lord has equipped us with our defense. We'll see that from verses 11 on down to 17a. And then we'll talk about our offense. So defense and offense as we battle. So for offense, we'll see uh, what the Lord has given us, our weapon. He's given us the sword of the spirit, the word of God. He's given us prayer. So we'll dive into that. And then point number two, our enemy. Our enemy. So we'll see that from verses 11b through 12 and 13b and then also 16b. So our enemy, all right? And then the last point is the final greeting. So the final greeting, the closing of this book. And we'll see that in verses 21 through 34. Sorry, not 34, 24. Uh, and we'll see from there our faithful reporter, Tychicus, verses 21 through 22. And then we'll see the blessing, right, which is a benediction, verses 23 to 24. All right? So let's look at point number one. Point number one, our arsenal, our arsenal, or our weapons, right? So one, strength in the Lord, strength in the Lord. Look back with me at verse 10. As it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So Paul, after spending the first three chapters, we talked about this before, but spending the first three chapters teaching biblical doctrine. So doctrine is just teachings about God, uh, right teachings about God. Uh, he spent the first three chapters really chopping it up on those things, right? Biblical doctrine. And then the last three on how to apply that doctrine, how to apply those teachings, including chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, as we've seen uh, prior to the passage we're in now. And now he's bringing it all to a close, bringing it all to a close. He says, finally. And for some of, all, some of you all, you might be saying, finally. We're almost done with this, with this book as we are in the book of Ephesians. But he says, finally, or in other words, lastly, right, lastly, be strong in the Lord. So let me pause right there really briefly. Out of all of the practical ways to apply all of the doctrine that he's been teaching, right, in the whole book, he tells the church at Ephesus to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his Paul is like, this is the last thing that I want you all to do, all right? You, we've talked about, you know what I mean, the spiritual blessings in Christ. We've talked about how you were dead in your sins and how, you know, you have been made alive in Christ. We've talked about how you have become a family. God has made you into a family, right? We've been saying all those different things in the book of Ephesians. And then he comes here and he's like, this is the last thing that I want you all to take away. Why? Why? Well, I think a, a couple of reasons. One, Paul knows that they are weak as he is weak. We're not talking physical strength here. We're not talking physical strength. We're talking spiritually. And the reality of it all is, is that we are all weak. All of us. We're, we're weak, needy. And it's okay to be needy. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing to uh, acknowledge our weakness. Recognizing that we are weak and understanding that we are only strong in and through Christ. And guess what? 
as we are strong in and only through Christ, that is when his power is made even the more known. Amen? In our weaknesses. Right? Paul knew it best. Right? He knew it best. Remember when he had the thorn? Right? Back in 2 Corinthians 12 and he cried out to the Lord? It's like, take this from me. Three times he cried out to the Lord, take this from me. And how does the Lord Jesus respond? Amen. My grace. Amen, sister. This is what he says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? Then he says, so he doesn't stop there. He says, I'm going to boast in it, though. Right? He's going to boast in his weakness. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So it's okay to boast in our weaknesses, family. We're all weak. We're all needy. We're all in need of God. We've been singing that, that he is our strength. So we need his strength. We are not strong. We need God's strength. And thanks be to God that we do have his strength and we have access to his strength. Amen? So he continues on. He says he's going to boast more gladly in his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Right? Verse 10, he says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, right? And then here's what he says at the end. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I am strong. I know in our culture, right, you know, there, there's, there's this element, right, that we want to put on. You know, we see it all throughout the world and social media, et cetera, et cetera, that we want to put off, put on as if we're strong, and we see it, and that sometimes when we show weaknesses, how that can be, uh, you know, you can be ridiculed for that, or you can be seen in a different light in that. And I think for us as Christians, just being reminded, right, that, I mean, Paul says he was, and this is, this is missionary Paul, this is church planter Paul. And he was like, I'm weak, and I need God's strength. For us as Christians, we can boast in our weaknesses. We can acknowledge our weaknesses, seeing that and knowing that God, in our weaknesses, shows off his strength, shows off his glory. So next, weakness is, I think, also a sign of humility. Right, we kind of already teetered around that a little bit, but, but none of us are strong all the time. Like we're just, We just don't have it together all the time. We may try to. I don't have it together all the time. None of us do, right? Like, we are not strong all the time or whatever the case may be. None of us are like our Instagram photos, right? None of us are like our Instagram photos. It's just reality. You know how some of us do. We all do it. We all do it, right? No shade, right? No shade. We only be posting the good parts of our lives, right? <laughs> we only be posting the good parts of our lives. The good and the happy times, not the bad and the hard times, right? So, you know, we, we do the little selfie or, we, you know, we take the group pics or whatever it case be, and it's nice. We should do it. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. What I'm saying is, is that when we, you know, we, we show off a certain side of us. And not just on social media, but we might even do that in relationships, in conversations. Like somebody be like, yo, how you doing? And your first thing you say is, I'm good, and you're not. Right? You, you, you're, you're not. You may not be. 
And it's okay to not be good sometimes. It's okay. We're human. We sin. We struggle. We're needy. We need help. We need help from him. And we need help from one another. Amen? And so I think just, just being reminded of that, that we all struggle, that we are all weak. And if we're all honest, sometimes we feel powerless. We feel powerless. And that's okay. It's okay. Because, as we've already talked about, that's where God's grace is all the more sufficient. When you feel powerless, when you are weak, that's when God's grace is all the more sufficient, and that's where he works. That's where he moves. He is the strong and mighty one. We're not. When God saved us, we receive access to his strength, and not only are we given God's strength or given access if that wasn't enough, but we receive 24-7 access to his body armor to his body armor that he has granted to us, right? So look back with me at verse 11a, where it says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul tells us more of what that armor entails, what it includes in the next few verses, and we'll, we'll get there in a second. But, but just imagine, right, for, for my Marvel fans here, think about Tony Starks, right? Iron Man. Right? Just imagine when he calls for his suit, in the midst of battle, but well, I mean, it could be looking bad, right? But man, he'll do some type of hand motion, or he'll call for his suit, and the next thing you know, the legs, or the arms, and you know, the helmet, everything comes on, and then he goes to work, right? Or even, you know, for you know, my, my Power Ranger fans from back in the day, when we were like, it's, it's Mighty Morphin time, right? That was my favorite, my favorite show, right? You know, Pterodactyl, right? Some of y'all know it, right? <laughs> Saber Tooth Tiger, right? It's a wrap. They going to work. <laughs> so, like, so whether it's Tony Starks or whether it's you know Power Rangers, like once they have that armor, once they have that suit, right? They are ready for battle. Putting on the whole armor of God is something like that, but even better. It's even better. Here's what it includes. So look down with me at the text. Here's what it includes starting at verse 14b. This is our defense. This is our defense that God has given us. So number one, belt of truth. So the belt of truth. And so we even saw this earlier in the book of Ephesians where Jesus tells us, what well, Paul tells us that Jesus in him is the truth, right? So he is the truth. And like him, we are to be a people of truth, right? As Christians, we are to be a people of truth, not lies. God has saved us from the lies, right? We at one point had lying tongues where everything we might have spewed might have been a lie, right? Maybe not everything. Um, but we lie, right? Jesus has saved us from that, and so now we are to be truth tellers in word, and in our actions to show it, and in all that we do, right? So we are to, you know, be truthful people. So when we put on the belt of truth, 
that idea there is that Jesus is the truth and in him is all truth. And so as Christians, because we have been uh, granted that truth and have come to know that truth, we are to be truthful people. All right? Number two, breastplate of righteousness. See that in verse 14c. So Dr. Marita was helpful with this. Tony Marita in his uh, Ephesians commentary says, for the Roman soldier, uh, the breastplate covered the chest to protect it against assaults and arrows, right? And so you think about a breastplate, right? So the Roman soldier would use that to protect himself from assaults and arrows. So this isn't referring to imputed righteousness, right? This isn't referring to uh, righteousness that God has given us at conversion when we first received Jesus, right? So, so you know, you hear the gospel, uh, God opens our eyes to, to see Jesus, uh, he saves us, and we were given righteousness then, right? We were imputed, given righteousness then. This isn't necessarily referring to righteousness or right standing before God. It's more so because that's permanent. So that's permanent, right? So at conversion, we receive Jesus' righteousness, and that's permanent, okay? But this is more so referring to practical righteousness. It's more, more practical righteousness. And in, in that sense, more so referring to right living. Right living. Here's an example. Look at uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 24. Right? We studied this in our time together. So it says here, uh, I'll even start at 22. Uh, so, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in what? True righteousness and holiness. So, you see that there where it says, put on, put on. Well, beloved, you know we are constantly putting off the old man. And we are constantly putting on righteousness. So this is an imputed righteousness. This is more so practical righteousness on a daily right living. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. Number three, gospel shoes. Gospel shoes. So we see that in verse 15, right? In verse 15, where it says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And after reading some commentary, Paul here isn't necessarily, well, in, in one way, you know, in battle, so when you think about a soldier, like, their shoes had to be right. Like, in battle, you know what I mean? Although, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm an AI fan, so I rock Iversons and whatnot all the time, and this, that, and the third. They wouldn't be out there rocking no Iversons, or no Jordans, or LeBrons, right? They had specific shoes, right, or, or combat boots, and this, that, and the third, for battle. So, right, but but he's more so getting after. So he's not necessarily getting after like a, a specific shoe, this, that, and the third. But he's more so talking about, as you see later in, the, in that verse, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What he's referring there is that as Christians, we should always be ready to share the good news of Christ. There's an element to it where, where as Christians, there's a readiness there's a, there's a, we talked about this before, but there's a, let's say in the morning, you, you know, you, you get up and you're like, Lord, open a door this day for your word. Open up an opportunity that I might be able to share the gospel, right? And so I, 
I pray that. I hope we're all praying that. But praying that God would open the door. So there's a readiness aspect to it. And so whether it's, yeah, you know, whether you're on a Zoom call, you know, for work or whether you're in, you know, office or a coffee shop or restaurant, you know, and then the Lord might provide that opportunity, right, that you have been praying for, right? And so the level to it is that there's a readiness, a readiness that we should have in sharing the good news of Christ, right? Romans 10, 15 says it this way. Paul says it this way. Here he says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, may we all have a readiness with us every day as the Lord may open up opportunities to proclaim his good news. Amen? Number four, shield of faith. So that's, you see that in verse 16? So shield of faith. And so, you know, we're not talking about any one of those like small shields. We're talking about, you know what I mean? Like, like one of them big shields that's like a door, right, in battle. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that protects your whole body, right? <laughs> Amen. I give you that. <laughs> that covers your whole body, right? So this, this shield uh, protects us from the darts that the enemy might throw our way. And so when we believe God's truth in his word, his promises, what he has promised, right, in Christ, through Christ, and when we believe what's true about us in him in light of what he has done for us. And so it's, it's having that shield of faith, that belief in his promises, in his word, in his truth. So that being a shield of faith that, that when you think about it, when those lies come from Satan, wait, those lies that he might you know, try to spew your way or you know, different ways that he might try to navigate, you having the shield of faith, believing God's promises through his word, how that will protect us, protect you, protect me from all the darts that the enemy may throw our way. Number five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You see that in verse 17a, right? Where it says the helmet of salvation there. It says in verse 17a, and take the helmet of salvation. Okay? This helmet protects us. Once again, so we have the shield of faith, but this helmet also protects us from the lies of Satan that would cause us to doubt our salvation. Right? That would cause us to doubt our salvation or, or not be assured in our salvation, right? So if you are in Christ this afternoon, you have been saved. And we have come to, we have to, because we have been saved, we have to come to God on a daily basis and be reminded and refreshed in the truth of our salvation, right? You know, I love how John Piper says, you, you guys have heard me say this uh, numerous times, but I love how he says it, it's like, like, we never outgrow our need for the gospel. So we never outgrow our need for the gospel, right? We continue to grow in it. Like, the gospel is, is, is there's depths to this thing. There's, 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 man, there's riches and glory as we think about the gospel. So the gospel isn't just for unbelievers. It's for us Christians, 
right? And so we got to constantly, on a daily, be, yeah, being renewed in our mind and uh, being renewed and refreshed in the good news of Christ. So it's for us Christians and it's for unbelievers so that they might learn or know, come to know Jesus in a salvific way, in a salvation way, that they might be saved, that they might grow in Christ as well. All right? So that's the helmet of salvation, right? So this is our defense. Now let's talk about our offense. So number one, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? Verse 17b, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Think when a soldier back in the day was in battle, you know, they would have like a little sword or a little dagger or something along those lines for, to use in personal combat, right? The same is true for us as believers, right? We must take up our sword, which is the word of God. This is our sword. This is our dagger to use in battle as we go to war with the enemy. So you cannot do battle without your sword. None of us can. We can try, but it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work. And we can't get caught up thinking that we can battle the enemy and the principalities and evil forces in high places if we ain't battling with the offense that God has given us. He's given us his word. And every word on the pages of scripture is true and powerful. And it points to Jesus points to what Jesus has done on our behalf by coming and living a perfect sinner's life and dying a death that we all deserve and being buried and then being raised from the dead on the third day, offering salvation to all who would repent of their sins and turn to him by faith. This is the word of God. So the sword, the Bible, is powerful and effective. Listen to how the author of Hebrews puts it in verse 12 of chapter 4. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that's, that's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So, so the reality is, is that we must read our Bibles. Like God has given us the weapon. Like, yeah, we can't go into battle reading Sports Illustrated. Or we can't go into battle on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? We read it and I'm saying, you know, the comments or the blogs on Twitter. I'm saying it's, it's, it's fine to read those things. But if we aren't reading the word, if our diet on a daily basis isn't that we are feasting upon God's word, then when temptation comes, and it will come, we might be more apt to give in to it than we would if we are regularly dieting upon God's, feasting upon God's word and seeking to yeah, to know God through his word more and obey his word. 
and letting his word dictate what we do on a daily basis, right? Like, like, like God has given us his word to read it, to study it, uh, to meditate upon it, right? To memorize it and to obey it. So for us as Christians, this is what we have to do. You got to see the Bible and prayer. We're going to talk about prayer in just a second. You got to see the Bible. You got to see God's word and prayer as man like your lifeline. Like you can't survive without it. You can try, and also community, church community. You know I mean, the fellowship of the saints. You can try, but after a while, if you're not reading God's word, if you're not communing with God through prayer, and if you're not doing that with a local body, if you're in isolation, you'll find yourself being apt to believe some false teaching, find yourself caught up in a downward spiral of sin, and the list can go on and on and on. So for us as Christians, and here at CHCC, we are about this book, the holy book, God's word. And not only are we to read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, obey it, we are also to proclaim it. We are also to tell others about the good book, about God's word, and watch God work, as he always does, through his word. Number two, prayer. Number two, prayer. So you look down at verse 18a, and it says praying in the spirit, right? So it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So after reading some commentary and you know, reading through it, I don't think this is referring to speaking in tongues. We, and when we think about the book of Ephesians, we got to, you know, read this verse in light of its context, in, in light of the previous passages and chapters, and understand Paul's words in light of the rest of the book of Ephesians. And then also to be reminded as Christians that all true prayer, prayer is by the Spirit and in the Spirit. So all true prayer as Christians is by the Spirit and in the Spirit. So God draws every believer to himself through Christ and by his Spirit. And because of his Spirit, we are given 24-7 access to God through prayer in the midst of battle. Right? So this is what I think God is saying through his word here as it relates to praying in the spirit at all times. Not necessarily referring to tongues, but more so referring to the access in the spirit, by the spirit, for Christians to God to pray in the midst of battle, in the midst of need. Following along here, B, so supplication. So what is supplication then? Supplication is simply asking God for something, right? Asking God, pleading with God, begging God for provision. So you see that in 18b. So he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
So that word supplication, once again, means it's referring to asking God, pleading with God, begging God that he might provide, that he might make provision, that he might save, that he might meet particular needs that we have in our membership or in our community, and so forth and so forth. And then he moves on, and he just doesn't, yeah, he just doesn't say it, you know, for an individual believer that, right, we are to pray and make supplication for ourselves. He says to do it for all the saints, right? You see that? It says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We're still in verse 18. Look down with me. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. For all the saints. So asking God, yeah, so, so we're, not only, we're not only to be asking God to meet our needs. We're not only to be asking God to make provision for us, for me, for my family. We're going to be asking God to do that for the entire church family. And we ought to be doing that for other church families outside of this church family. Asking God, pleading that God would meet needs in other churches in our area. And not just our area, but around the world, around the globe, right? We ought to be pleading with God and asking God on their behalf that he might do this. So I guess the question is, how often do you pray for your church family? How often do you pray for leaders of the church or other leaders of other churches? How often do you pray for the members of your fellowship or other churches. So my encouragement to us all would be to regularly pray for one another. And I believe that's happening. And I'm encouraged by that. But we have to do it all the more. Let's continue to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for, yes, our own families, but the whole membership, and even others outside of this membership. So let's be pleading with the Lord. Let us, let us pray without ceasing for ourselves and for others. Amen? Amen. So for all the saints, let's do that. And then lastly, you see it, Paul not only asks for prayer for himself even in that, but he, he prays specifically for boldness with the gospel. So he asks for boldness with the gospel. So in verse 19 through 20, he says, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So if Paul asked for boldness, if Paul asked for the saints at Ephesus be praying for him in his imprisonment. So Paul is locked up, right? We learned that about a year ago when we first started the book. But, but to bring it back to context, Paul is, Paul is locked up. So in his imprisonment, he's asking for the saints at Ephesus to pray that he might have boldness to proclaim the gospel. So if Paul 
ask for prayer, for boldness to proclaim the gospel, we need to be asking for boldness. That God would give us boldness to proclaim the good news everywhere. Everywhere. So may we ask, like Paul asked, that God would grant us boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Amen? Amen. So then why do we need to soup up and fight with our spiritual weapons? Why? Why do we need to soup up and fight with our spiritual weapons? Well, it's because we have an enemy. We have an enemy. So point number two, our enemy. Look at verses 11b through 12, and then we'll work our way down to a few other verses as well to think about our enemy. So first point, our arsenal, right, our weapons. Why do we need those weapons? Because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that we are going to battle with. So verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So then who is the devil? Well, for starters, the devil and Satan are the same person, right? And he's known by many other titles in scripture. So his title, devil, means slanderer. So he's a slanderer. And his title, Satan, means adversary. Adversary. Right? So briefly, and this could be a whole other sermon, right? Here are a few of his other titles that he's known by in Scripture. So serpent. Right? Serpent. You see that? All the way back in Genesis 3, verse 1, where the Word of God says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, that the Lord God had made. So he was created by God, but he decided to rebel against God. And as a result, he, Satan, along with angels who decided to follow in the path of Satan, with him were kicked out of heaven. They were kicked out of God's presence. So listen to Revelation 12, 7 through 12. As it reads, it says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser, so that's another title uh, of Satan as well, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. That's true. The devil's time is short. So Paul refers to him not only as, uh, you know, the serpent, not only as the accuser, but not only as Satan or the devil. But Paul also refers to him, or the word of God also refers to him, through Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, as the God of this age. So he's also known as the God of this age. And then he mentions in that same verse how he has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the truth of Jesus in the gospel. So, the God of this age blinding the minds of people who don't know Jesus. Trying to keep them from believing upon the truth of Jesus. In chapter 2 of our book here in Ephesians, he's also referred to as the prince of the power of the air, right? Once again, referring to this world, so him being the prince of the power of the air. And then ultimately, and there's, there's plenty of other titles that we could dig into, but ultimately, he's not your friend. He's your enemy. Satan is not our friend. He opposes God, and he opposes the people of God. And so, in light of that, we have to know who we are battling. We have to know, so we have arsenal from God because of our enemy. Right? So the text continues on to tell us that he be scheming. Satan be scheming. He be scheming, y'all. He's like how me and even probably some of us back in the day, how we'd be sitting around plotting. Right? We'd be plotting scheming on how we would hit the next lick or try to get money, this, that, and third. Or, like the movie The Town with Ben Affleck, some of you guys might have seen that. They were professional bank robbers, right? They would be scheming up a plan to rob banks. So, Satan be scheming, and we have to, as Christians, we have to be privy to his schemes, though. We have to know, one, that he is our enemy, and two, we have to be privy to his schemes and watch out. Be cautious. Be careful. So he's always trying to trip us up into sin to cause us to doubt God and his, his word, stirring up unnecessary beef between church members or just people in our workplaces or wherever the case may be, trying to cause disunity trying to twist God's word or make us drift from sound doctrine, from, from good biblical teaching. And ultimately, Satan is all about stealing, he's all about killing, and he's all about destroying. This is our enemy that we are fighting. 1 Peter 5.8 says this about the devil. It says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. So Satan is moving around, right? Like a fierce lion looking to devour you and me. 
to chew you up whole. Don't let them. Don't let them. And one of the ways that we won't let them is by putting on the whole armor of God. By putting on the whole armor of God, which then helps us to stand against his schemes. Right? So Paul continues to let us know what we're facing in verse 12. Look there with me. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this just further tells us what we are fighting against is evil, wicked, and it's a dark force. What we see unfolding in the natural, there's an all-out war that's happening in the spiritual realm. Warring against us as believers. So we see some of that play out in the natural, but, but overarching that, there's a dark presence warring against you and me, opposed to God's will, opposed to God's word, and he desires to take you out and me. This also further tells us why we need to fight with our spiritual weapons. Paul says it elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to dis destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we are in a spiritual battle and we have to fight with our spiritual weapons that God has given us. Don't try to fight in your own strength. Don't try to fight with your own type of weapons. God is so gracious and kind that he's given all of that to us. So fight. Fight with your spiritual weapons. If you're here and you are not a Christian, my question for you would be, how are you battling the enemy? How are you, how are you battling the enemy? How are you even surviving? Do you even know that there is an enemy? That is loving and cheering you on in your sin, in your dark state. And he was doing the same for us when we were out there in the world too. He was happy. And now he's mad. He's mad that God has saved us and called us to himself. And we're seeking to be on mission together to see other people come to know Jesus. He's mad about that. So, but if you're here and you're not a Christian, first step for you would be to believe the gospel. To, to believe what the Bible says about you and me. And it's that yeah, God created you in his image after his likeness that you and I are fallen. We've sinned against him. We've rebelled against him. And because of our rebellion, we deserve his wrath, his punishment. But that the good news is that Jesus comes and he takes your punishment and my punishment. And living a perfect sinless life, dying a death that you and I deserve, and he was buried in a grave. He was raised on the third day, offering salvation, offering a relationship that 
you can have with God today and also make you aware of the enemy and be privy to his schemes and give you weapons so that you might be able to fight against him in this battle. So the first step for you would be to come to Jesus, to receive him by faith, to trust him. And as you do, the Bible says you'll be saved, forgiven of all of your sin. You'll be, yeah, like the, the, the chains that the enemy might have on you now, they'll be broken. Sin that might have you bound right now, broken. Be forgiven, cleansed, made right with God. So if that's you this, this afternoon and you haven't done that, man, we would love, it would be our joy to talk with you more about that. After the service, come see me or come see any other believer here in this congregation. We would love to, to tell you about what it means to follow Jesus and to help you as you journey with him. Now, let me also just say this, as I don't want us to, to leave here spooked by the devil and demons, et cetera, et cetera. So let me just say this. There is an element to it, though, where we shouldn't be spooked, but we should be aware of his power, right? Meaning that he's more powerful than us. He's not more powerful than God, but he's more powerful than us. And so we don't just want to go picking a fight with him, right? You know, like we, we yeah, we just, that would be, yeah, that wouldn't be wise. We just don't. Yeah, I was going to say stupid. It wouldn't be wise, right? To just go and pick a fight. Hence, from the top of this passage, verse 10, why Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord. So he didn't, he didn't tell us about our weapons first, or the enemy. He first and foremost says, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. And then he goes on, he walks through and tells us, you know what I mean, so that you may be able to stand against the enemy. So, we, you know, be strong in the Lord, then we go into battle. So we need God's strength to war against Satan, not our own. But at the same time, Satan and his goons have already been defeated. Right? So Satan has been defeated. He's a defeated foe. Jesus beat him. He's beat demons. It was a flawless victory. But one day, He's going to do away with Satan and demons for good. So we're not there yet. We're heading in that direction. On that day when he's going to do away with Satan and demons and evil and dark forces for good. So until then, though, we battle with God's strength and his weaponry that he provides. But here's one thing that I want you to notice that I want to lift out the text as well. Notice that the text doesn't tell us to win the battle. Paul instead tells us to stand. The battle is already won. He tells us to stand. To stand. He tells us four times throughout this passage. He tells us in verse 11, tells us in verse 13, and in verse 14. To stand. It's kind of like, in other words, stand your ground, soldier. Stand your ground, soldier. The general has already won the battle. I just need you to stand your ground until I do away with the enemy once and for all. And Jesus will do away 
of Satan once and for all. Which leads to my last and final point, the final greeting, the final greeting. Look at verse 21, where it starts there, it says, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So, really briefly, we see here as Paul is closing out this book, he's pointing to us a faithful reporter, a faithful reporter in Tychicus, right? So Tychicus has served with Paul for some time. He was first mentioned with a group of other believers in Acts 24. And he's, and he's mentioned in some of Paul's other letters as well. So he was a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord, right? And while Paul is in prison, Tychicus was sent to the believers at Ephesus to do two things that we see in the text. Two things, to tell them how they are doing and then to encourage their hearts, to encourage their hearts. And I even think for us, you know, when we think about, you know, as believers, as we are, you know, journeying together, sometimes we just need to, yeah, just ask how one another are doing, right? Just to check in on how one another is doing. And as we do that, how that, even as we see here, encourages our hearts. It encourages us, right? As we hear from brothers and sisters, when folks call or text or email or pop up at the crib and just check in on you and listen to you just to hear what's going on in your life. How are you doing? And just here as a brother, similar to what Tychicus, as a faithful brother, just here to see how you're doing. No other expectations. Just let me just see how you're doing. And as a result, as you report to me how you're doing, that encouraging my heart and then me encouraging your heart and seeking to point you to the word and encourage you and pray with you. So we see that here with Tychicus doing that for the believers here at Ephesus to tell them how Paul is doing and how the saints are doing and then to encourage their hearts. And then lastly, the blessing, the blessing which is also known as a benediction. So in verses 23 to 24, he says, Peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So this is a benediction similar to the benediction you all will hear uh, at the end of this time. But this is a benediction that Paul uses to close the letter how he started it in the beginning, right? We see similar words there, peace and grace, right? Peace and grace from the Lord Jesus. And then he also mentions faith and love, right? And then lastly, he 
mentions love for Jesus. He mentions it. You see, it says, it says, uh, in verse 24, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Paul ends, I want to end in a similar vein. That as we wrap up this book of Ephesians, one, I pray that we have, yeah, loved Christ during this time, and then as a result, that we love Christ even the more as we have delved into his word in six chapters of this book by God's grace. And he says this, that maybe we love Jesus with a love that can't be destroyed. That's everlasting. Amen? Amen. So worship team, if, as you all come back, I'll, I'll close this.